Welcome to Chase Family Church. You're about to hear a message from one of our Sunday mornings, and we pray that God would bless it to you and to your family. Well, good morning, good morning Chase Family Chase Church. Church. I don't know where you all are. I've turned up and no one's here. So um, uh, I'm actually, to be honest, really gutted to be not with you in person today. Um, I had planned to be, but um, I'm afraid by the time you hear this, I will probably be in Swansea uh, dropping my son off at university. So um, I'll be down by the beach. Um, you're here. But I, I, to be honest, I would rather have been with you in person because um, I think it's really great when God's people come together. And I think it's really important. And um, I want us to remember that, really. But anyway, today, um, I kind of was asking the Lord what to talk to you about. And um, so this is a message that I've called It Runs in the Blood. Or if you want the longer title, the work of spirit, the work of the Spirit in the Church of Jesus Christ, um, and it's, I guess, a ramble through the Book of Acts. I hope it's not too long a ramble, but it is through a number of verses uh, that document the growth of the church in the Book of Acts. Now, I have a question for you, which is uh, it's kind of a rhetorical question. You obviously can't answer it because you're not here. But do you ever find, much to your annoyance, that you seem to be more like your parents than you would like to admit. When we're teenagers, we grow up, and I remember thinking, I just don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to say those things. I don't want to think those things. And then gradually, as you get older, you find yourself repeating things that um, your parents used to say to you, or, or you might have their mannerisms or their attitude to life. Um, and that's to do with the miracle, I guess, of DNA and also to do with how we're brought up and that we inherit more from our parents than just our DNA. We inherit something else. Now, what I'm grateful, grateful about that, because uh, it, if it's true that Christians are not Christians because they're better than others, but because they have become a temple of the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself has come to live in our hearts through faith, then something else will also be true of us. We will not, try as we might, be masters of our own destiny. Now we celebrate, as charismatic Christians, the pouring out of God's Spirit on His church at Pentecost. But we often forget that the Spirit was poured out because He intended to stay. He intended to take over the driving seat in our lives. Christ stepped in and try as we might, our attempts at driving our own lives, if we really are spirit-filled Christians, really don't go that well at all. So let's uh, begin, if, if we will, in the book of Acts. I'm going to read from Acts 1, 7 to 8, just a couple of verses. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, the apostles, the, the 11 remaining, just before he ascended to heaven. He said this, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost ends of the earth. Now, these are words that are guaranteed to wind up any self-respecting people, or, or certainly an Englishman. It is not for you to know. We hate being told that it's none of our business. We like to know everything. We like to know all of the information before we make a commitment. But the problem is the process of following the Lord Jesus Christ is he is in charge and we are not. And sometimes he says to us, it's not for you to know. It's not your business. 
It's my father's business. It's my business. But at the moment, I have not made it your business. And these are things that sometimes, if you are walking with the Holy Spirit, he will say to you. I remember quite acutely a long time ago when, um, when I had felt the Lord calling me to hand over the End Flame Trust. And, um, and he said, I want you to release it to Andy and, um, and, and have a handover period. And then I'm going to call you something, to, something new. And I said to him, well, Lord, what is it? And he said, that's not your problem. Now, I could have had an argument with the Lord, and I, I confess that I did. I thought it was very much my problem. And if it wasn't my problem, the financial black hole that I would be leading my family into would be very much made my problem by my parents-in-law. You know, what are you doing with my grandchildren? Now, those are questions that I, I faced with fear. But sometimes God doesn't tell us because he asks us to trust him. And we don't like doing that. But actually, if we are a spirit-filled people, we have to acknowledge that we do not know what is going on, that there is someone in charge of the church of Jesus Christ, and it's not me. It never has been. Even the church that I lead, I'm not in charge of it. It's his. So let's, um, let's have a look at what actually happened in Acts 2, 1 to 4. You will know this passage really well. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So where were they? Well, actually, people have tried to track down the upper room or the room that they met in, in Jerusalem. I'm not sure if they've successfully done it. But I do know where they were. They were all together in one place. They came together. The Spirit of God within the church, even before he was poured out in power, was drawing people together. They came together. The Spirit gathers his body. He gathers the body of Christ. Now, there's something slightly odd about the way that the Spirit works within the church because not only does he gather, but he appoints us as individuals. We are not a bunch of the same kind of people. We're different. And when the Spirit is poured out, it says they saw like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. So to some he gave the gift of tongues, to some the gift of interpretation, to some the gift of healing, to some there were many gifts but one spirit and that is the way that the spirit works within the body of Christ he draws us together but he gives us stuff that's different from each other so that we need one another we are not the same we're individual and when we are separate we feel restless until we come together there were many parts let me move on acts 2:44 to 47 all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he, saw, as he had need. Each day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the Spirit was moving through the body of Christ, and it was growing, but he was gathering 
he was pulling them together. It is in the nature of God to call his family together. I don't know how many of you that will be sitting here to, on Sunday morning, I don't know how many of you are parents, but I know that when your ch children go to various parts of the world, you want to see them grow up, you want to see them do things, you want to see them go off and become themselves, you want to see their, individually, uh, their individual identity to grow. But when it comes to Christmas, or you know, there's a family gathering or a wedding, where do you want them to be? You want them to be together. You want them to come together because that is the nature of a father to gather his children. It is the nature of Jesus to want to be with his father. Did you not know, he said to his earthly mother and father, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? I want to be together. He was on a mission. The father and the spirit had sent him into the world to come and seek and save that which was lost. But Jesus never stopped hankering to be with his father. When everyone else was kipping in bed, where was Jesus? He was with his dad. He was with his father. They wanted to be together. I feel like I'm doing that old advert, you know, that kind of the awkward couple on the, on the sofa where he says, we want to be together. But actually, that's the root of Scripture. Now, this is where my phone has gone off, and Martin is going to have to stop it. <laughs> but he's good at that. So we'll let Martin do the technology. So it is in the nature of Jesus to want to be with his father. It is the nature of Christians filled with the spirit to want to be in their father's house, to want to be together with their father. Let's move on because they don't stay together, do they? In Acts 8, 1 to 4. And Saul was there, it says, giving approval to his death. That's the death of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And those who had been scattered preached the word of God wherever they went. So a question for you. Maybe you can talk about this in Zoom or, or, or discussion groups afterwards. Who was it that scattered the church? Now, was it the devil or was it God? You might be asking the same question. I've heard it so many times over the last nine months. Did, you know, the coronavirus, what came? Was it God? Is God doing something in his church or is it the devil? Well, I have a question for you. Why does it have to be either or? Why does it have to be one or the other? It must be extremely frustrating for Satan to realize that whenever he's doing what he does, he finds that he is fulfilling the purposes of God. What a frustrating job for an enemy to have when you realize that your plans are being worked for the purposes of the man you're trying to fight against. But that's how it is with Satan and God. What does uh, Joseph say to his brothers uh, when they finally find out what idiots they were and how bad they've been? He says, do not worry about it, paraphrased, what you intended for evil, God has purposed for good. And so, although the enemy was involved in scattering the church, although undoubtedly from my perspective, the enemy is involved in what has happened to our nation and it's happening all around the world at the moment. And the enemy is having a field day with the church of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that God is not involved and not sovereignly overseeing 
the proceedings. Because what happened at this time, although persecution broke out against the church, although um, Stephen was martyred and it says godly men mourned deeply for him and buried him, although that was happening, finally God through the church was doing what Jesus had said he would do. Jesus didn't say to them, you do this. He says, you will be my witnesses and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost ends of the earth. So God had said through Christ that his purpose in the church was that the gospel should go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost ends of the earth. So while the church was gathering, which was a good godly thing, all they really did was go to Jerusalem. But when the Holy Spirit scattered those he had gathered, then they went everywhere all over the place. It says in Acts 5, Philip went down to a city, where? In Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and proclaimed Christ there. In Acts 11, 19 to 20, now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. They even got to Cyprus. It's been causing us problems ever since telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus, troublemakers again, and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. God was scattering his church. Do you know, I don't know uh, how many of you know this, but the beginning of so, about a month into lockdown, a, a young couple from my church who we had been I'd been uh, praying with and talking about maybe perhaps leading a church plant at some point. I thought, okay, when we come out of uh, lockdown, we'll have to think about that. They came to us in the middle of lockdown and said, we think that God's telling us to go now. I have to tell you, it did not suit my plans at all. But I love them. And it seemed that it was the best thing to do. So we sent them. And they've planted during lockdown. I had the joy and the privilege of going and baptizing someone with them in a garden um, in the middle of lockdown. Now, maybe I shouldn't say this on tape because I'm not even sure I should, I should have been there. But actually, it seemed like the right thing to do. Do you know a really encouraging email that um, I had that I'm sure many of you have had uh, concerns one of your own, Mike. What's he doing in school in lockdown? He's running Alpha. There are things he can't do, but he's doing what he can do. Do you understand? Do you get how exciting that is? That whatever the enemy is trying to do to the church, God is saying, come on, let's go for it. Let's go and do the things that everyone else says are impossible. When everyone else says, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that, God is saying, you can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, I don't know if I said this last time I was preaching, but also greatly encouraged within a few weeks of lockdown, a friend of mine um, who, uh, her and her family became Christians and they're, they're Iranian Christians and they've uh, recently got British citizenship, said to me, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, back to Iran. Within a week actually of them getting citizenship, she had planned her first trip to Iran. But she said to me this, 
She said, my family don't know. I have to go. How can I hold on to my freedom while I and not preach the gospel to my family? And so, uh, bucking all of the fear and all of the trends of the time, and don't travel and don't do this, she booked with her 14-year-old daughter, sorry, 15-year-old daughter, I'm going to Iran. And led, I think, 10 or 11 of her family to Christ while she was there. Every day, my youth group were praying for her because they wanted Andrea to come back. But actually, they were just preaching about Jesus. I said to Andrea, I said, um, so your mum, you know, what was she like while you were over there? She said, she was always talking about Jesus. It took her about 10 minutes to get into a conversation and then it would be the gospel. And I said, was she embarrassing? And she looked at me and grinned and said, no. Inspiring. Who wouldn't be inspired? Do you know what I love about this season is that individuals within the church of Jesus are being fruitful. They're thinking, I want to go and preach the gospel. I want to find a way to reach the lost. Now, so the scattering was, I believe, God-inspired, spirit-inspired, times of struggle, times of difficulty are often God-inspired or God-used or sovereignly God is moving through them. But I want you to notice something, that wherever they were scattered, gathering was in their blood. Wherever they went, they came together. They went to Antioch, they came together. Philip went to Samaria. He drew the believers together. They didn't enjoy being scattered. They didn't love being separate. There was no desire within them to be separate from one another. Wherever they went, they wanted to be together. I must be about my father's business. And friends, if within this process, you've started to think to yourself, well, actually, I quite enjoy getting out of bed on a Sunday morning and having church on my terms and being able to choose who I listen to and when do I listen to them and choose what kind of worship to listen to. I have to say, I'm sorry, I don't believe that's Spirit-inspired. I don't believe that has a hallmark of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because no matter what we are forced to do by our scattering, in the blood of the body of Jesus Christ is a desire to come together. Because if you speak in tongues and there's no one to interpret, then you need to be together. If you have the gift of healing and there's no sick person there to you to pray for, then you need to be together. There is many gifts of the Spirit, but there is one body. And if we have the chance to gather and we say, well, I don't feel like it, I have to say, I think that's the flesh speaking. I think it's our comfort speaking. It is our desire for a church that functions around my needs and what I can get out of it rather than what Jesus gets out of it. Because the main desire and the passion of the church of Jesus Christ is to glorify God and to make him known. And that moves through the body of Christ. Now, um, I was having a bit of a laugh the other day with my family 
Uh, we were trying to resolve an issue for my mum who's in care and obviously with all the rules and the regulations there are things that we can do and there are things we can't do. And so we were negotiating with the care home as to spending time with my mum who has quite advanced dementia now and requires touch. And I would rather she was touched and had her family around her and I know that she would rather that than she would have her life lengthened and preserved. It would mean more to her. She probably desires to go home and be with Jesus anyway. But we were negotiating this, and I was sitting chatting. Anyway, it's off the point. But um, my 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 little um, my not what is he? My nephew's son, Max. Uh, they were telling me a story about him, and he said this. Uh, he was sitting at the table one day with his mum and dad, uh, my brother. Uh, sorry, with his grandparents, my brother and, and sister-in-law. And, uh, and he, they were making him breakfast. And he looked up and full of seriousness, he's about four years old, he says, the government says we can have toast for breakfast. And everyone just fell about laughing. And uh, this became his catchphrase, the government says, the government says, the government says. And it, it's a phrase, I don't know if you're going to get this lot edited out, but it's a phrase that is too common within the Church of Jesus Christ. I believe with all my heart, and please don't misunderstand me here, I believe that we are called to be law-abiding citizens. But the last time I looked, Boris Johnson wasn't dictating the church of Jesus Christ and what we did and what we don't do. Now, we live according to the law. We're meant to do that. But actually, I don't get up and pray because the government says I should. The last time I looked, I'm still following Jesus. You see, there is a profound difference between the law and grace. The law tells you what you can't do. The Spirit tells you what you can or what you must do. Fear tells you what is impossible. Yet faith always tells you what is possible or imperative. And faith has to fill the body of Christ, friends. Do you know the scripture's really clear? It says without faith, it is impossible to please God. It doesn't say it's unlikely or you might have trouble pleasing God. It says if what we do doesn't come from faith, then it doesn't please God, no matter how law-abiding it is. Otherwise, you know, we're just law-abiding citizens. We're just doing what we're told. And I believe there's much more to the church than that. I am not advocating that we be militant or rebellious. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm advocating that we listen to the Spirit and we live our lives according to His impulse rather than looking at the, the news every morning and think, well, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that, and I can't do that. If the news is the first thing I look at in the morning, then I'm looking at the wrong thing. This is where I should be looking. You see, the Spirit is not leading people to enjoy being away from the family of God. He's not leading his people to faith that chooses a Christian message that suits their own agenda. The church is not passive and law-abiding. 
It is culture shifting. It is law changing. It liberates captives. It establishes justice and righteousness in a godless world. We are not conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Jesus is still on the throne, and every knee will bow, and all rulers and authorities will submit to him. That doesn't mean I make up my mind about what I obey and what I don't obey. I live by the law of this land. But I obey Jesus as to how I live my life every day. And you see a church shaped within the book of Acts that is utterly radical, utterly life-changing, but not only life-changing, law-changing. It makes me laugh about all the people wanted to overthrow the Roman Empire, but it was the church of Jesus, a bunch of ordinary people meeting in homes, breaking bread together, worshipping together, praying together, seeking God together, preaching the gospel wherever they went. It was the church of Greek Jesus that turned the Roman Empire upside down. Surely, God is still longing for a church that is alive and active. Fear will tell you what is impossible. Faith always tells you what is possible or imperative. Now, let me ask you a question simply this morning. Is this in your blood? Does Christ rule in our hearts through faith? Are we no longer I, but Christ living in me? Are we a church that is filled with the Spirit of God? Not just speaking in tongues, singing loudly, or shouting hallelujahs, but are we a church filled with the Spirit of God? Are we looking to Him to lead us? Are we looking to Him to scatter us? Are we rejoicing in Him when He scatters us and saying, well, I'm going to go wherever you send me and do whatever I can, but I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and as soon as I get the opportunity, I'm going to come together with my family and worship my Father. Is that the kind of church we are? Hand on heart. I don't know if it's what I am, but it's what I long to be. It's my passion and my desire that I would be a man led by the Spirit of Christ, not by the Spirit of the age. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your people gathered here today, whether they're gathered here in person or whether they're listening online. Father, not my words, but would you stir them by your Spirit and cause faith to rise up in their hearts. Father, I pray that where there are, that there's that attitude in our hearts where we're afraid of what might be or we're afraid of what might come. Lord, would you put your spirit in our hearts, cause him to bubble up inside of us right now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, come upon your church. Stir us up. Gather us together. Send us to the nations. But Lord, let us have you in the driving seat at all times. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the message today and pray that it would bless you in your life. And if you have any questions you would like to ask, then please email info at chasefamilychurch.com.